It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. All across the fantasy universe, welcome one and all to the two-point stance. That's right, Brian Drake alongside Joe Dolan, fantasypoints.com. That's the place to find us, and we're rocking and rolling here. Back into our second week of the two-point stance. First week was fantastic. The rave reviews are in. Everyone's patting us on the back. But now, Joe, it's time to get down to work because we've got actual NFL news that we can start breaking down. How are you, pal? I'm doing all right, Drake. It was a fun first week. Get a couple of podcasts in. And now, I mean, the offseason's already started. You know, you and I, we're just, uh, we're a couple of schmucks who are in our houses right now. But we've got a, we've got feet on the ground in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, Hanson's there. Scott Barrett's there. And our guys from uh, Fantasy Points Data, who are going to be rock stars for us this year, especially around draft time, uh, Brett Whitefield and Chris Wecht. Um, they, as a matter of fact, they're recording their Take Talk podcast live from mobile so if you subscribe to the fantasy points feed there's no youtube for that but if you subscribe to the fantasy points uh, podcast feed whether apple uh, overcast whatever that's what i use i use overcast um spotify um you're gonna get all of those those podcasts so um get get a in on the ground floor with some fantasy relevant draft takes you know that that's kind of how we're gonna isolate it not that you don't want to know about the defensive players um but the, but but we'll be able to keep it's gonna be more of that dynasty kind of slam but it's a it's a football podcast too so i i really encourage you to check out brett and chris uh, doing their podcast live from Mobile. As a matter of fact, Drake, uh, if we do a spot on uh, on Thursday this week, we'll, we'll talk about when we're going to schedule. It'd be nice to have one of those guys on as a guest just uh, talking senior bowl. I don't know how you're uh, – you say you're not really a draft, Nick, but for you to be a competent fantasy player, Drake, mm-hmm. you gotta you got to at least listen to people who are. And that's really what I do is – listen, I'm a Syracuse football fan. There's no reason for me to be excited about college football ever, but – I play a ton of fantasy, and obviously I talk a lot of fantasy. This is the way to get engaged, folks. It's You follow the smart folks here at FantasyPoints.com. You read their work. You listen to the pods. All of a sudden, you start putting two and two together. You can make your own observations. We're not asking you to go out and break down the all 22. We're just saying sit and listen to smart people because it's going to make you a much, much better drafter come summertime. Also, if you head over to FantasyPoints.com, we still got the 30% off early bird special. Gets you in for the 2023 season, 30% off, no promo code needed. We're raw dogging it right here. You got no cover. We're right in 30% off. Uh, By the way, that only lasts through Super Bowl Sunday. Woo. So you definitely want to get on the ground floor, Drake. So uh, that, that that that's where we're at right now with that, with the super early bird, but only through Super Bowl Sunday. Um, So keep that in mind. Uh, If you want to subscribe to the website, I, I think you'll be really glad you did. You know, I know they have plenty of money out there in Denver, that ownership group, but maybe they're trying to save a few bucks now because they're going to have to pay Sean Payton, their new head coach. Uh, the news broke earlier today that Sean Payton has been traded because really people would say, oh, he's signed. No, he was traded from the Saints to the Broncos for a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 second round pick. That first round pick they got was from Uh, The Bradley Chubb trade, it'll be the 29th overall selection. The Broncos also get kicked back a 2024 third-round pick for the Saints. So, Joe, let's just get your first-off impression. You hear that Sean Payton is coming out of retirement, out of the TV studio, and onto the sidelines at Mile High. 
So um, my first impression was Denver really knew it had to hit this coaching hire out of the park. And first and foremost, Sean Payton is putting together at this point a borderline leaning to yes, in my opinion, Hall of Fame resume. Um, so I don't blame Denver for want to go to, for wanting to go big game hunting here. Um, they tried, they tried a new coach with Russell Wilson, a younger coach. Obviously it didn't work out whether that was entirely Nathaniel Hackett's fault. I don't think so. Hackett did look overmatched, but, um, I think Russell Wilson was significantly to blame. So it made sense when I heard that Denver was, um, acquiring Sean Payton or um, I, I guess it's not official yet, Drake, but I, it would have to be beyond a shock if this doesn't get done. I think, did you mm-hmm. see the Broncos tweeted out uh, um, add to cart and it was a Broncos visor. So uh, they're obviously, they're obviously <laughs> I like that. Uh, teasing that right now. Um, so uh, with this new ownership group, the Walton family, obviously um, their investment in Russell Wilson, we've gone over it. Everybody's gone over it. Every cap expert, of which I am not, by the way, has gone over it. Um, and they said the Broncos are pretty much screwed. Like, it, mm-hmm. if they, they have got to at least get Russell Wilson back to playing decent, average football and hope that the talent on this team and the talent on the defense can, can carry them. So I don't blame them for thinking Sean Payton might be that guy. Here is the other thing, and, and, and I know you want to – get your take on this as well. And mm-hmm. that's what we're here for. Um, take your stance, if we will. Um, stylistically. I mean, we have never really seen a Sean Payton offense really without a Drew Brees. I mean, this guy has been tied to Drew Brees basically his entire career as a head coach. And stylistically, I don't know if there are two different, more different quarterbacks in the league. I mean. Thank you for saying that. I wanted to bring that. People think because they're short and they throw the football, they're the same guy. They're not. And now very clearly, Sean Payton knows this, right? I mean, Sean Payton could have taken another year off. He could have worked a cushy TV gig. Okay. He wants to get back into coaching and he very clearly thought this was a good fit. He didn't have to do this. Um, But. Drew Brees, yes, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson are short, okay? That's where the similarities end. Drew Brees, throughout his career, bing, bang, boom, 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 boom. Read it quick, throw it quick, get the ball out. Russell Wilson, throughout his career, very often has been at or near the top of of leaderboards in average time to throw on the longer end. Wait for things to develop, throw the ball down the field, extend the play, um... And I'm just not very sure Russell Wilson is a point guard kind of quarterback. I really don't. And that's what that's what Sean Payton has had in Drew Brees. Now, maybe Sean Payton didn't necessarily want that. I, I think he handpicked Drew Brees when they signed him in 2006. So I am, I am a- absolutely fascinated by this marriage. I'm fascinated by the fact that the Broncos, who had to trade a cornerstone player for their team just to get a first round pick because of the disaster that was the Wilson trade, then just traded that pick to go get Sean Payton. Um, I'm I'm fascinated to see what this offense looks like. I'm fascinated to see what the personnel looks like. Um, And, but I understand why the Broncos did it. I'm just from a stylistic standpoint, I am pretty confused right now, but Sean Payton, a lot smarter than I am. He obviously knows this, Drake. Like he, 
I don't think he, and if he looks at Russell Wilson and is saying, man, that guy, I'm going to turn him into Drew Brees at the age of 34. I, I don't know what he's thinking, but I have to imagine he understands that, that what, what the case is here. And he's going to have to adjust a lot of the things that he does. I think it's interesting note too, where we've had a clash of uh, media insiders today where Rappaport says one thing and, and uh, Mike Kliss and uh, Adam Schefter, who's very connected in Denver, used to work there, come out saying other things. And uh, uh, my friend Austin Gale pointed this out on, on Twitter that D'Amico Ryan's declined this job twice. Jim Harbaugh had his name removed after meeting with the, uh, the ownership group. Dan Quinn interviewed and decided I'd rather be the DC effectively the head coach in waiting in Dallas. So they had to go get this, uh, this guy in Sean Payton. Now I got a couple of thoughts here. Number one, are you compounding a mistake with another mistake? You're like, Oh crap. Like I, I got to make something work here. This Russell Wilson albatross is just weighing down the franchise. Russell Wilson is going to start making some major money folks. So his dead cap, this year, 107 million. Then it's 85 million. 2025, it's still 49 million. That's when you can finally get rid of the guy. Is 2026. So you've got a guy right now who's 34 years old, and you decided your best course of action was to get rid of potential first and second round talent on rookie contracts to bring in Sean Payton. When I call me crazy, Joe, I'm looking at at the Super Bowl here. Did anyone trade draft picks to get Nick Sirianni? No. Anybody trade draft picks to get uh, Andy Reid? Nope. He was canned and signed somewhere else. Look at a lot of guys. Sean McVay, you don't have to go trading draft picks. There's plenty of smart people out there. I think they're just so, you know, in over their head with this Russell Wilson deal where they're like, we have to appease the fan base. But I don't like it. I don't like the fact that I'm giving away high-end draft picks when I just gave away high-end draft picks to get Russell Wilson. I, you know, I think that they're, and, and I kind of agree with you, by the way, because the stylistic fit by, and, and trading the draft capital. Now, part of this package, Adam Schefter did report there was a couple of packages. This one is headlined by the 2023 first and the 2024 second. Mm -hmm. um, but they also get back a 2024 third with mm -hmm. Sean Payton in the deal. I think there was another one where the Saints could get the 2024 first, which I thought might actually be more appealing to the Saints because I don't know how you can look at Russell Wilson and say, hey, they're going to have worse than the number 29 pick next year. I do I, I do understand that a yeah. draft pick today is worth more than one tomorrow, but, um, uh, but um, that's beyond the point. I almost wonder if, like, Denver – realizes we are so screwed with the Russell Wilson trade that the only possible course of action we have is to try to forcibly remove his head from his ass. And we need somebody who is respected. We need somebody who has won games in the league. Uh, we need somebody who has put a, a quarterback in the hall of fame. A lot of that is Drew Brees as well, but it's hard to separate uh Brees from Peyton and vice versa. I almost wonder if they felt like they had put their own backs up against the wall so much that they had to pull out. They, they essentially had to, they had to open the nuclear football here. They, they had to get the launch codes and like, this is last case scenario. I think you saw earlier this week, they moved the doomsday clock closer to midnight. The Broncos doomsday clock 
was five seconds from midnight, okay? Mm -hmm. And they had to do something to avoid an all-out disaster. And I think that's what they're trying to do. But I kind of agree with you where this could also push them closer to disaster or push them into full-on disaster because they still need to supplement that roster, which was on the defensive side, good. On the offensive side, you know, almost feel like they were kind of a little bit overrated. Like, I... I look at Cortland Sutton and like, ooh, Cortland Sutton. And you're like, well, all right, what kind of player is Cortland Sutton? I think Jerry Judy did some great things at the end of the year, but the idea of Jerry Judy has always been better than the reality of Jerry Judy. And I think maybe they believe that Sean Payton is the guy who's going to bring this together. They clearly believe that. They We haven't seen a guy traded for a first-round pick, a coach traded for a first-round pick in forever. So uh, I'm just fascinated by the move. Um, I'm excited as a fan to watch it. And at the very least, this is going to make any Broncos uh, primetime games at least a little more interesting to watch. Um, um, But yeah, this is, I I, I totally understand your reticence with this trade. Like, I mean, you got this first round pick and now you're just going to trade it for Sean Payton, but maybe they figured no wide receiver. No tight end, no running back, no, no. How about a couple offensive linemen? That would help. But also they might've thought no offensive lineman is going to help us get Russell Wilson back to what we thought we were getting more so than Sean Payton. And that was probably the organizational thinking here. I can understand it. I'm also taking a lot of pause here with the rumor mill of these guys not wanting to come coach there. Uh, That just shows maybe, maybe there's a little something going on in that building. Let me spin this forward to fantasy fantasy points.com. That's what we do. How wildly does this now send the ADPs of Broncos in here in best ball season and all because Javante Williams coming off an injury, people are still going to like him. I'm still saying Javante Williams is going to be a second to late first round pick by the time it's all said and done. I think that's going to be insane if that if that injury is anywhere close to the J.K. Dobbins injury, which is what our guy um, mm-hmm. Edwin Porras thought might be a possibility. But um, I, I want to see what the Broncos do in the off season. I think people are going to be so down on what Russ did last year that I'm not sure it's really going to move ADPs more up. Now, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If I'm going to invest in the Broncos offense, I'll take some receivers here and there. I I want nothing to do with Wilson. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see where he gets drafted. I think people are going to be so down on him. Um, but we'll see what the hype to hype train in the off season is. I, you know, I was trying to build an analog for, um, uh, for Sean Payton's offenses with the new Orleans saints. And, you know, I think it's pretty fascinating because what if the saints always had at least almost every year under Payton and breeze, that big possession slot receiver, right? Like, that that guy, that Marcus Colston, who can move the chains, the Michael Thomas, who obviously can move the chains, that big slot receiver. Is Cortland Sutton that guy? He only ran 11% of his routes per fantasy points data out of the slot this year. Jerry Judy was their primary slot receiver, but he does not fit the mold um, of that Marcus Colston type of receiver. Does he view Jerry Judy as kind of a Lance Moore? But then it, it gets back to my original point. This isn't going to be the same offense. It can't be because I don't think Russell Wilson can function mm-hmm. in that kind of offense. He's never been that mm-hmm. kind of player. Now, maybe maybe Sean Payton comes in here and believes, oh, Russell Wilson's a guy who needs a kick in the ass. 
And he's going to have to change the way he plays. He's going to have to change the way he wants to play because it got him in this mess in the first place. But um, I I have to imagine this is just not – Russell Wilson's not going to turn into Drew Brees overnight. So I'm going to have to really sit with this and let it simmer. Um, Read some beat writers. Denver's got a lot of guys who are plugged in, you know, like – what do they think Sean Payton's going to do? Why did Sean Payton pick this opportunity? It's going to be a fascinating couple of weeks, but um, that was obviously a big hammer that dropped. And Drake, I got to be honest, I'm glad we didn't record this morning because it would be completely <laughs> irrelevant. Yeah. The, uh, shout out to uh, my real job, uh, nine to five, for putting me uh, putting me out in the field. Um, but I love doing this. This is so much more fun. So let's put a bow on the Sean Payton to the Broncos and let's then transfer. Uh, we could probably get through this a lot quicker. D'Amico Ryan's to the Texans. Fantasy wise, I mean, we don't really know much of anything because you know they don't have a quarterback. They don't really have many skill position players. Uh, we don't know if they'll be tied to Damian Pierce. Looks like Brandon Cooks is on his way out, yeah. and we don't know what kind of offense they're even going to be running. So, could be good. Everyone seems to like D'Amico Ryan's leader of men. Maybe improves that defense. They just need more talent in Houston. Well, the good the good news for them is they have the number two pick in the draft. They can trade back if uh, we again we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. We don't know if Chicago is going to keep the first pick um, and take a quarterback. If if Chicago keeps the first pick and doesn't take a quarterback, it will be the most absurd in a, uh, allocation of resources ever. You either make that pick and make a quarterback, or you trade it. Um, we got to see who Danico Ryan's hires as an offensive coordinator. Um, but but from just a standpoint. And I'm not terribly qualified to speak on this. As a matter of fact, I'm not qualified at all to speak on this. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it anyway, just because it is something I, I believe in. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's as a person of color taking that job after they fired two in a row after one year. After one year, neither of whom I, and Drake, I I think you completely agree. I don't think either of us thought the Lovey Smith hire was inspired as a retread, but neither of those David Culley nor Lovey Smith got a fair shake. Mm -hmm. Um, They were not in a position to get a fair shake, but the Texans landing a young coach of this caliber and this quality after what they just did. I mean, they got to feel like they got away with highway robbery here. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I thought D'Amico Ryan's who's been, you know, I watched watching that 49er defense these last couple of weeks all season, but in the playoffs, you especially get to focus on them a little bit more. They are fast. They are complicated. They are well coached. I mean, and D'Amico Ryan's uh, JJ Watts praising this every teammate he had with the Texans, they call him cap captain, you know, yeah. like the respect. If I am a Texan fan, I am like every bit of pain I have gone through the last number of years with the Watson fiasco, with uh, with with David Culley getting unfairly scapegoated, with Lovey Smith getting unfairly scapegoated, and this team being so bad, and they get, they managed to land D'Amico Ryan's, a young, energetic head coach who was already a popular player there. I can't I can't believe the Texans pulled this off. Credit to Cal McNair for pulling it off because if I'm a Texans fan, this is the most excited I've been. I mean, ever, ever since the last time Deshaun Watson took the field as a Houston Texan, that that this is the most excited I've been. It's the most hopeful I've been after Bill O'Brien trades away Hopkins and all this. Uh, the I 
the Texan fans have to be out of their mind. As a matter of fact, Harlan is in here. Uh, um, he says, as a Texan fan, best thing to happen, fancy or ecstatic, you should be Harlan because uh, this is a home run hire. The Texans have the 12th overall pick in the draft. And with that pick, you're not going to probably get a quarterback at 12. So we'll see if they can go up and well, make something two happen. As well. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Two and 12. So, yeah. yeah so sorry. I just totally missed that. Uh, <laughs> two and 12 here. So they're going to get a quarterback here. I really hope that you don't get that defensive mindset of, you know, we're going to run the football. And that kind of, we need, all right, D'Amico coaches the team, has his influence on defense. Then let's get a, an offensive mind in here and just build around a quarterback. If you get Bryce Young, you get C.J. Stroud, get a couple of really good quarterback coaches in there, and you can just say, all right, now we're going to get a line in front of him, and let's go get this kid some weapons because right now they don't have any. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, he does come from now – the defensive side of the ball, but he coached under Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan believes in running the football. Now Kyle yeah, Shanahan but you still, also, in this, you still got to be able to throw the football. You, oh, they don't oh, have a quarterback. Yeah. They don't have receivers. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan builds his passing game off of the run game, but mm-hmm. it, you know, it, just like McVay does, by the way, um, they, they like to, the, they use the zone run game to, to build their passing game. So I'm interested to see if Ryan's is going to pull from the Shanahan tree. Um, to to for his offensive coordinator and how that's going to influence the the decisions of this organization uh in the draft i mean you got two top 12 picks um then they've got they, the they the second finally, pick of the second round yeah absolutely they've got the second pick of the second round so you've got all kinds of maneuverability here um two uh, two third rounders they've got a lot of draft capital they might not get their choice of quarterback but they've got a lot of draft capital with which to maneuver and if i'm a texan i'm like we lost that game in week 18 when we could have had the number one pick, but they've probably in a state of despair for three weeks. And then they get to Miko Ryans, who, again, I, n- none of us know if he's going to work out as a head coach. What I right. do know is you get a leader of men who also had one of the most schematically complex and impressive defenses in the NFL this year. I'm really, really excited if I'm a Houston Texan fan. We talked about coaches who – Maybe we're given an unfair shake and we'll transfer now to Carolina where Frank Wright gets a job from Steve Wilkes, who did a really, really good job with not a lot of talent in Carolina. They finished seven and 10 with Sam freaking Darnold as their quarterback. So Wright comes in just fired. And now, you know, he gets that retread quick turnaround. We don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be. Ben McAdoo still there. We're not sure if he's going to stay I assume Frank Reich would want to call the plays there, Joe. Uh, but this team needs an upgraded quarterback also. You know, I do think, you know, Frank made his mistakes in Indianapolis, but Frank, just like everybody in Indianapolis, got dealt a bad hand with Andrew Luck's retirement. Um, Phillip Rivers came in and was great, and then he retired. And then the Wentz thing happened, and then, I, I mean, how much, how much would you have put on Matt Ryan being significantly worse than Carson Wentz? I would not have put anything on it, but he was significantly worse. Um, Ultimately, if I'm a Panthers fan, first and foremost, I do wonder why Steve Wilkes um, didn't get that job. But I think Frank Reich is a defense is um, a decent football coach. And I think he's a decent man. I think he's a good football coach and his, and he was working for an impatient owner. And, Hopefully, Tepper's a little more patient with Frank. You know, 
we just talked about the Broncos making a huge splash, and I think D'Amico Ryans is a massive splash for the Texans. This is not a splashy hire, but Matt Rule was. At least in theory, Matt Rule was a splashy hire. And maybe Frank just comes in here, and he's an adult in the room, and he's going to, to instill a calmness, a culture. It's got The thing that's tough about that, though, is Steve Wilkes very clearly did that. And now you're pulling back from Steve Wilkes and going to a different guy. That's going to be a tough ch- transition. But I think Frank Reich's a decent football coach. I think he was saying a lot of things that Panthers fans wanted to hear today. Um, they, I was reading some, uh, this, this, of course, this is what I do. I go through Twitter and I go through Reddit. And reading what Panthers fans were saying about Matt Rule. And they're like, Rule always felt like he was selling you something that he didn't really believe in. And, mm-hmm. you know, Frank Reich just doesn't sound, sound like he's selling you anything. Frank Reich sounds like a straight man. And, and I think... That's what maybe the Panthers fans need. The fact of the matter is, though, Frank Reich has the same exact problem in Carolina that he's had his basically entire tenure in Indianapolis. He does not have a quarterback. They pick ninth. That You're within striking distance, and they have a ton of draft capital from the Christian McCaffrey trade. So that's a team that's going to be very interesting to watch uh, on, on, on draft day. That's going to be a team that's going to be very interesting to watch. If Lamar Jackson becomes available, maybe they franchise him or trade him. Um, if Justin Fields becomes available, um, Carolina is absolutely going to be in the quarterback market. Their coach, or excuse me, their owner wanted to make a splash with Deshaun Watson. They were in on Deshaun Watson, and he's been in on other big time quarterbacks, and he's never been able to land them. And Tepper's a, a very rich guy who likes to go out and get what he wants. It will not shock me at all if Carolina is talking to Chicago. We're talking to Arizona, trying to get up to one of these picks to get their hands on a quarterback. There's no way in the world they're sitting at nine. You know, here's what's interesting. Um, uh, reading from Joseph Person, uh, who covers uh, the Panthers uh, for the Athletic, um, he's done a good job there for a while. He said, Frank Reich today, uh, excuse me, David Tepper today said he made a mistake in hiring a CEO kind of coach, which was Matt Rule. That was what Matt Rule did. Hey, I'm the CEO. Mm-hmm. Everybody... So I would anticipate his decision here and why maybe they moved on from Steve Wilkes is he wants Frank Reich to come in here and shape the offense himself. This mm-hmm. will be Frank Reich's team. This will be Frank Reich's offense. Go, We can go and we can study what Frank Reich has done with Indianapolis. The, one of the things I heard uh, about Frank Reich, and I'm not sure if this is true anymore, but I did hear that some thought his, his plays were a little too complicated, like they ran too much stuff. You know, you know how it is like at NFL playbooks. It's really basically a handful of concepts dressed up differently. Now yeah. I've heard a lot of players thought Frank Reich did too much stuff. It's so like when you see, see the Eagles, that. Yeah. people talk about the Eagles and they say the Eagles run like five plays, but they just make them look different every time they run them. And that's, uh, you know, why they're so successful. Let me ask you this, Joe, talking about coaches who have their head buried in a play sheet the whole game. This is the Mike McDaniels and the LaFleurs of the world. And, and that's what Frank Reich could be doing here, calling the plays. There's something to be said that these coaches have become bad in-game managers because you're not managing the game. You're constantly looking for the next play. Yeah, I don't know. You ever get a vibe on that or have a thought on the head coach calling plays? Do you like them to be maybe more hands-off like a Belichick? I think... I think in general, I'd prefer my head coach to call the plays only because from an organizational standpoint, 
losing a, if your team is good on offense, you're going to lose your play caller. Um, that being said, both now Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy split the play calling um, with Kansas City. I think Andy Reid gets most of the credit for that. And Mike it's, Mike Kafka started picking that up actually. Yeah, now Mike, Mike Kafka is getting head coaching looks. He's getting head coaching interviews. We know Nick Sirianni does not call the plays for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the last time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. Doug Peterson did call the plays, so mm-hmm. uh, Frank Reich did not. So it, it's it's six and one happened as the other. I think I think Doug Peterson proved that a coach could be an excellent game manager while calling plays. Um, Doug, like the Eagles, the Eagles organizational philosophy is we want our head coach to be a good game manager, and and I think you even saw that against San Francisco this past weekend. Um, the Eagles getting into a spot where Nick Sirianni may. He managed circles around Kyle Shanahan in that game. Not that the 49ers were going to win with the circumstances that, that were laid out for them anyway. But um, I think I, I think it's it's a case-by-case basis. I probably would re- prefer to have a, a head coach that I trust can call plays. Um, but ultimately, I, I mostly think there's probably like five really good game managers in the NFL. There's five terrible ones, and everybody else is just kind of mediocre. <laughs> Maybe we'll see someone with Andy Reid, who is notoriously terrible with time management uh, when we get to the Super Bowl. And we'll be previewing the Super Bowl here on the two-point stance. We'll have some props. I think we might have our pal Tom Brawley come join us uh, sometime next week as we prepare for the Super Bowl. So, again, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel for all that. Not a head coaching hire, but an offensive coordinator move. Wow, this happened quickly. I was actually watching ESPN. And they were talking about Kellen Moore being let go because they can't not talk Cowboys on ESPN in the morning. So they're talking about that literally in the next breath. They go, well, guess what? Kellen Moore just got hired by the Los Angeles Chargers to be their new OC. So everybody in the world on Twitter is so excited about this. I'm a huge Justin Herbert guy. And everyone's talking about the depth of target that Dak had versus Herbert. And, you know, uh, how many more points they're going to score. I think all in all, this is good for uh, Kellen Moore because I think he gets a better quarterback to play with and he gets a ton of toys out here with the Chargers. And also, I, I think the no, there's no scrutiny on him anymore. Being the play caller in Dallas, everyone's on you. Oh, it's your fault. McCarthy's yeah. going to take over the play calling. Nobody cares in LA. They don't have any fans. It's um, I think it's a good move for Kellen Moore. And, and you know, everybody is talking about the ADOT. Well, why is that? Sm- but it's a valid point. I, you know, everybody's talking about it, but I think it's a good point. Here is a Dak Prescott's a dot. This is a per per Cal Yates for Dak Prescott. Every year, Kellen Moore was his offensive coordinator. 9.8, 8.3, 8.2, Justin Herbert was 6.4 this year. Joe Lombardi, I call him sideways. Joe sideways. Joe Lombardi had <laughs> Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson. At the height of their powers in 2015, Matthew Stafford averaged 5.5 average depth of target. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't understand how that happens. Look, Kellen Moore, again, he's one of these guys who I think 90% of coaches in the NFL are decent at their jobs. Some are going to look better. Some are going to look worse based on personnel. And I think Kellen Moore ultimately to me, was a guy who's decent to good at his job. But you have Dak Prescott, who does not have an arm in the same stratosphere as Justin Herbert, pushing the ball down the field with alacrity. It's all, first and foremost, that's mentality too. You can't, you can't 
convince a quarterback who doesn't want to throw the ball deep to all of a sudden start throwing it deep. Look at Sam Bradford. You know, like everybody's like Sam Bradford's got this gun and he all he does is throw short of the sticks. That was a mentality thing. So Dak Prescott's got the mentality to throw the ball down the field. But we already have evidence that Joe Lombardi's offense has put artificial restraints on a quarterback who really can let it loose, let it rip. It's he did it with Matthew Stafford. I think we're going to see Justin Fe- uh, Justin Herbert. And but here's where I would caution for fantasy. I think everybody's going to buy into this narrative and it might well be true, but I think everybody's going to buy into it. I think Justin Herbert is going to go off the board probably a little bit earlier than he deserves to. I don't know what this does for Keenan Allen who can, you know, slide into, look, the slot role is very important in Kellen Moore's offense. We saw CD lamb do that, but they're different players. Mike Williams, a little Joshua Palmer. I think those guys are going to be very, very popular in drafts with, with Kellen Moore calling the plays. And is this more of an off? I'm looking back at the 2020 Chargers, uh, Herbert's rookie year, when uh, Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator. Steichen now calls the plays for Philadelphia. Uh, That sort of offense they were running, though, I was listening to some folks, and they were saying that's much more like the offense that uh, Herbert ran. The, The offense he's getting with Kellen Moore is much similar to what he ran his 2020 year versus this Lombardi offense that, doesn't want to stretch the field when you have freaking Mike Williams on the team. Yeah. So I, again, I, I don't know. I don't break the film down and all that, but interesting nugget that uh, for some former players were throwing out there. So I they mean, would know. you look at the Cowboys offense, they, they throw the ball down the field and you look at what the chargers did. They haven't thrown the ball down the field. I don't really think you need to read uh, too much more into that. I mean, I think that's completely a, a fair observation to make. And I think this is going to be um, uh, a, a, an offense that is going to, look a little bit more towards Justin Fields' strengths. Now, it is worth noting that in 2020, Fields averaged 7.4 A dot. Uh, excuse me, yes, Justin Herbert, not Justin. Justin's on the mind. Justin Herbert averaged 7.4 A dot uh, in his rookie year. He was at 7.6 in the first year of Lombardi, but that was all the way down to 6.4 this year. And I just think that uh, Mr. Scampers calls him lateral Lombardi. I call him sideways <laughs> Joe, whatever you want to call him. Um, I just don't think the offense was the right fit for him. Uh I'll and I think Kellen Moore is going to be a much better option. I think everybody's going to buy into it for fantasy, and I think it. I think in many ways it's justified. You get an aggressive-minded coach with a quarterback who, in theory, should be aggressive-minded. The last thing I'm going to talk to you about uh, today, Joe, is the NFL's salary cap was announced for 2023, and it went up. Teams were hoping, ah, we might get a few more million. I believe it went up $16 million this year. So I'm looking at some of the teams who have salary cap to play with this year. The Chicago Bears, who Lord knows they need help this coming season, have $98 million in cap space. Hello, quarterback on a rookie contract. The next closest to them are the Atlanta Falcons. They also need some help. $56 million. Bengals with 44 Giants 44 and then the Patriots and the Texans we've talked a lot about today. Then you go all the way to the bottom. The New Orleans Saints have negative their $57 million over the cap right now. The Bucks are $55 million over the cap. But wow, how in the world? Let's start with New Orleans. $57 million over the cap. You're paying Taysom Hill more than $10 million against the cap for the next three years. Every year it's 10 million plus. 
against the cap. And you don't have a quarterback. Like, it's, oh, it's brutal for Saints fans. It's, and that's why they had to make this this Peyton deal. Because that, that was the only way they're going to recoup some value here. Get get Remember, they don't have... They they should have the 10th pick in the draft, but they traded it to get Chris Olave. And Chris Olave is a good player, but, you know. Is he worth the 10th pick in the draft? Maybe, uh-huh. maybe not. Uh, I, I, don't, I know the Eagles aren't complaining. And here's the other deal, by the way, flipping over to the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields, if he is the quarterback, and I think I said it on our show last week, 90-10, I think he is. Um, but they're still going to take into account that the first overall pick. The problem is you got $100 million in cap space have you seen the wide receivers who are free agents? Jacoby Myers is going to make $40 million a year. Jacoby Myers is <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I, I feel like that ship has sailed. Michael Thomas can be voided, but good luck. He's played, like, what, three games in the last three years? Um, Nelson Aguilar, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones. I think DJ Chark might be the headliner of this yeah. class. Alan Lazard? Like, I mean, you've got Nicole Hart. Some team's going to convince itself to pay Nicole Hardman because he can run. I mean, it is a horrifying wide receiver class. That's so not the Nicole great- Hardman. Mark it down. This is the first mark it down moment for the two point stance. Nicole Hardman is a New York Giant. They've got forty four million to burn. They're desperate for a wide receiver. Nicole Hardman's going to the Giants. Yeah. All right. I mean, I think that's fair. I think I think you could say he makes sense for the Bears. I mean. This is, I mean, this is horrible, man. Like Jarvis Landry. Yay. Oh God. There's, is there anybody down, down here making absolutely nothing? Who's in any way interesting? Not really. It's, it's as bad as it could get. So teams that need receivers this off season of which the Chicago bears are one, they're going to have to be involved in the trade market. The Dallas Cowboys are another team that needs a receiver. We saw them completely botch the Amari Cooper market last mm-hmm. year. Uh, and then they overpaid Michael Gallup, who did nothing for them this year. Um, the trade market's going to have to be very, very active for these teams that need receivers. And you know who we just talked about? The Houston Texans. They need to rework that team, and they can dangle Brandon Cooks out there. And they could maybe get more than you'd anticipate for Brandon Cooks when teams realize what the wide receiver market this offseason looks like. They'll end up getting like a second-round pick for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you know, heading into last offseason, I don't know if we thought Devontae Adams and A.J. Brown were going to get traded. So, um, and maybe, by the way, maybe that's why the Texans, who I thought should have traded him at the deadline, maybe that's why they held on. They're like, dude, the best free agent wide receiver is Jacoby Myers. We're going to get what we want for Brandon Cooks this offseason. So, um, maybe it was a smart move by the Texans to play the long game with Brandon Cooks. I'm just looking at teams that are trying to think who might be tradable. I mean, the would the Panthers entertain trading DJ Moore? I think that's a name that people really throw out there. I don't know if Carolina will want to do that though. Um with 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 a new coach coming in there. Um I yeah, it's it's really hard to look at these teams and say who is a tradable good young wide receiver or you know, I it's hard to to it's hard to envision a team parting ways with an AJ Brown until it happens, right? Right. So yeah. um, I, I don't know, really know what to say. Oh, DeAndre Hopkins will, will get overpaid this offseason, by the way. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know what? Welcome to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, somebody's going to pay way too much for DeAndre Hopkins this offseason. Probably justified, but somebody's going to pay way too much. Uh, we heard the DK Metcalf rumors last year, but he got an extension. Mm-hmm. The one I would wonder about, not that this team wants to shake up its good juju, 
is T Higgins. Cause they're not going to sign him. Yeah. You would, you got to pay like, chase down the road. You got to pay burrow. We burrow. need to pay chase. I do wonder if they think this is like the, the, the area where they can maximize T Higgins. I, that one would be interesting to me. Uh, if they decide to make that move. Yeah. Well, what if somebody gives him a first round pick? I you mean, know, T, looks- T Higgins would be a number one receiver on, 25 teams in the league you know like, that's the thing is you, like, I, I look at dallas at 27 the giants at 26 maybe i'm just saying teams that would give away the their back end first round pick the giants it makes all the sense in the world for the giants because oh, you could pay absolutely. them they got a ton of dough dallas uh, you know i don't know if you could pay him they, they couldn't pay amari cooper buffalo needs another guy buffalo uh does need another guy. you know kansas city you know philly's not doing it but I, that giant kansas city ooh. needs a receiver yeah Kansas yeah, City, it. but can they? Uh, how much money does Kansas City get? Like, I mean, uh, who's going to take a shot on Michael Thomas? Um, you know, you know what else is interesting? Um, Tampa Bay is is in cap hell. Obviously, I think Brady's gone. I wonder if Tampa Bay just tears it down. Yeah, and trades that, Mike Evans. That's a good point, right there. They're fifty five million over the cap at this point of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for twenty twenty three. Chris Godwin makes 20 million he counts 23 7 against the cap uh mike evans counts 23 6 against the cap so wouldn't shock me at all one of those two guys gets traded but again if you're the now if, if you're the the bucks you're starting to go to the giants the chiefs the team, all right you got that back into the first round pick throw it our way yeah, I mean, Godwin, the first year of Godwin's contract was this year, though. So it doesn't seem like they'll trade him, and he's young. I feel like e- Evans is probably the guy they can move um, this offseason. I don't know where that this wide receiver discussion came from, but eh, it's know. been kind of fun to speculate. Could you imagine Mike Evans in Kansas City? Yeah, the yeah. fan, You know, everyone loves to crap on Mike Evans. Like, oh, he's old, blah, blah, blah. He just runs nine routes. Mike Evans, just catching balls from Patrick Mahomes. I'd love it. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think he's the kind of guy who people might – not that he's Randy Moss because nobody is, but people might point to him as like, ah, he's washed, you know, mm-hmm. and then realize he gets into a fresh spot and he's got a couple of good years left in him. No question about it. We've got a lot of good years left in us here at the two point stance. We're just getting things going, folks. Joe Dolan, fantasypoints.com. Follow him on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. I'm on Twitter at Drake Fantasy. The site is at Fantasy PTS. And we want you to, again, go to fantasypoints.com. Save yourself 30% off a 2023 subscription. No promo code needed. Just go sign up. And as Joe said off the top, we've got John Hansen, Scott Barrett, all the data guys. They're down at the Senior Bowl. They're going to be doing podcasts from there. So it's going to be really fun. Wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you're subscribed to the Fantasy Points podcast feed. I'm looking forward to those shows, Joe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm as a matter of fact, I'm about to uh, listen to Chris Wecht and Brett Whitefield's first episode. Uh, well, it's their uh, they've been doing take talk all season, but it's from the senior bowl. Um, I have Brett Whitefield's practice notes up on the website. Um, might have to get one of those guys in uh, in on the program on Thursday, Drake, and uh, and talk to them. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We'll be back uh, Thursday, Friday. We try to get you in twice a week here on the two point. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.